Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. See, what had happened is the people of Israel had grown so numerous in Egypt through the generations that their population was such that it was very threatening to the Egyptians. The Egyptians looked out over their land and they looked at their slave labor force, which was made up of these Hebrew people, and they actually said to themselves in their cabinet meeting, if these people who are so numerous ever were to join with one of our enemies, they could overthrow us and we would be no more. And so they started to afflict them, and they started to enslave them and do horrible things to them. But the Word of God says that the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. This isn't my message this morning, but let me talk to somebody who's in pain today. Not talking about only physical pain, but you're in pain today, and you're facing affliction and opposition from the enemy. You can, by the providence of God, that pain can be a catalyst for growth. That pain can take you places that other things can't take you. I can't make your pain go away, and God can if he wants to. But sometimes pain is put in our life, and trials are put in our life in order that we can multiply and grow like we couldn't otherwise. And that's the kind of season that Israel was in. Israel had become so numerous that they started to afflict them and inflict pain upon them. And they were a slave labor force. And it got so extreme that the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said, we're going to start having to kill the male children because they're just becoming so numerous. So the king, uh, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Thank God for people who know the right thing to do and do it. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They're lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all of his people, saying, Every son who is born... You shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Chapter 2 picks up the story and says, There was a man of the house of Levi who went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. The scriptures tell us that these two people are named Amram and Jochebed. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes or a basket And she made it for him and dabbed it with asphalt and pitch and put it, put the child in it and laid in it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. This is the very beginning of the story that many of you are familiar with. It's a story of a man named Moses. And this morning I want to preach from that text about faith for one, faith for one. You may be seated. I'm here to advocate and to tell you this morning that Jesus still works in favor of the one. God still has his eye on you. 
God still has his eye on your loved ones. And I still believe there is hope for the one that you've been praying for, that you've been reaching for. I believe that there's still hope for them. I believe that in the midst of all their trials and all their backwardness and all their wickedness, there is still hope for one to come to God through your family, through your group of friends. God still has his eye on them, and God still has his eye on you. Pharaoh had decreed death. He had passed a law, he had sent a commandment out through the land and said that all the male children need to die. But thank God there were some midwives and some moms and dads who said no. These moms and dads and midwives were disobedient to the commandment of Pharaoh and the agenda of the world that they lived in. And as a result, they risked their lives. They put it all on the line. And why did they do it, Sister Anderson? They did it for one. They did. They said, you know what, Pharaoh? You may get some of them, but you're not going to get mine. Oh, I wish there were some dads and some moms. I wish there were some friends and some neighbors, some aunts and uncles, some grandmas and grandpas who would say to the agenda of the world, you may have decreed death over this world. You may be leading people into bondage and afflicting them. And you may get some of them, but you're not going to get mine. I wish somebody in the house of the Lord would come with, the, with faith for one on the very first Sunday of 2024 and say, the page is about to turn in my family. The page is fixing to turn in my workplace. The people that I've been praying for are going to come to God this year. And God's going to do a work in my life. Their names were Amram and Jochebed. They were Moses' dad and mom. And these two people, mostly unknown to people, performed acts of courage and faith. And they risked it all for one. Faith in the right now, a lot of times, looks like risk. Faith for the future, when we look ahead, oftentimes the word we'll use to describe that is vision. Risk and vision. One isn't too much of a risk when it's your one. One isn't too much to lay it all on the line for if it's your one. One isn't too small of a vision when it's your one. You may say, Brother Dustin, are we just believing for one? No, we're not believing for one. We're believing for your one and your one and your one and your. It's not a small vision to say that God still has his eye on the one. Because when you get a hold of the fact that it's not just any one, but it's your one. You're willing to weigh it, lay it all on the line. You're willing to say, I'm willing to risk it all. If it means that my one can be saved. I've come to ask you this morning. In the presence of the Lord, where are the spiritual fathers and the spiritual mothers and the spiritual midwives and friends who will lay it on the line in 2024 and say, nothing matters more than the one that God needs to save in my life. My job doesn't matter as much. My my work, my bank account doesn't matter as much. My hobbies don't matter as much. But the time that I spend to try to activate my faith and see God save one in my life, that is the most important thing I'll risk it all I'll put it all on the line it's a big enough vision to drive my whole life that God would save 
my loved one, that God would save me, that God would do a work in my life and in my family's life, my children's lives, my friends' lives. And each and every one of us around this room today have connections to houses and people and lives that are expecting, just like Jochebed was. And it's time to locate them. It's time to visit them. It's time to check on them. Because they're living in the middle of a world that they're uncovered spiritually. And they're living in a world where they can fall victim to the attacks of ones like Pharaoh who would snuff out the spiritual hope in their life. How many people in our lives that are desperate for spiritual life, that are desperate for a spiritual renewal and a new birth experience are too intimidated by Pharaoh and this world to allow that dream to live in their life. They're waiting for somebody who says, I'll stand with you. They're waiting for somebody. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me today. They're waiting for somebody who will say, I have faith for what God can do in the life of one person who has something in them that is expecting God to do a work that wants to be renewed in the spirit, that wants to have a new birth experience. They're looking for one who will stand with them. Pharaoh has pronounced a death sentence over your children, over your spouse over your friend, over your nieces and nephews and grandchildren. And he is carrying out plans to render them spiritually blind and spiritually numb. But there is a people of God who are willing to know the right thing to do and not just know what to do, but to actually say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my faith into action in 2024, and I'm going to see what God can do in the life of one person in my life. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord who has faith for one today? Is there anybody in the house of the Lord who will say, I believe God can do it in the life of my son and my daughter, my spouse, my grandchildren. I believe God can do it. I believe this can be the year. Maybe you have that faith in your spirit today and you're asking yourself probably what you should be asking. What I've asked myself. What can I do? What can I do in the face of what feels like an impossible situation? And the answer is very simple and it's found in our text this morning. You can connect with them and you can start to prompt them. And if they will take a step of faith, we can't force anybody. But if we can connect with them and we see that they are ready to receive what God is willing to do in their life. And they're willing to take a step of faith. Here's what we can do. It's called three months in a basket. Three months in a basket. Three months requires no interpretation. You don't have to know the original languages to know what three months is about. Three months is about the investment of time and energy. Talking about what Jacobed and Amram did. They gave three months of their life. To close interaction, three months of their life to the investment in that young child, Moses. Three months of changing diapers. Three months of multiple check-ins and feedings. Three months of rocking him to sleep. Three months of time, materials, face-to-face -face moments. Three months, if we can just be honest, of inconvenience. Three months of my world being a little bit turned inside out. 
If we're going to make a difference, if we're going to touch lives, if we're going to see one be saved, it's going to take the same recipe, the same formula is going to have to be put into place in our life as it was in their life. And we're going to have to say, I'm willing to take three months. I'm willing to take the time that's necessary. I can't do a drive-by, and it's not going to be something that happens in a microwave. I know when we start talking about time, I know that we've shifted and we'd almost rather talk about money as to talk about time because time is so valuable. Everyone's time is so private. Everybody has control of their own time and their own calendar and their own date book. Nobody wants to be told what to do with their time. And far be it from me this morning to put your calendar together for you. But I'm on commission from the Holy Ghost today to tell you that if you would have faith for one in your life, you cannot neglect the ingredient of time. You cannot leave out the investment of time and face-to-face -face interaction and investing in them one-on-one. -on -one. It is absolutely non-negotiable. And if you've got faith for one, but you're not willing to organize your time in such a way to see it happen. I don't know what to tell you, but it's not going to last very long. You're not going to get very far. Amram and Jochebed took that child and did all the things that you have to do when there's a newborn. They saw in that child's life something that was far better than leaving them to whatever devices Pharaoh would inflict upon him. They said, there's no way in my right mind, there's no way that I can possibly permit this child to be left unguarded. And there's no way that any one of you in this room, people of good moral character, there's no way that if there was a small child that had nowhere to go, and that if, they, if, no one decide, if no one was going to take them in and invest in them and do the necessary things, there's not a single one of us, from the very oldest to the very youngest and least experienced of us, there's not a single one of us that would allow that child to walk out of this building and go and live and, 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 go and just leave them for dead. There's no one in this room that would do that in the natural. And that's good. But it's easy for us to say that because we can touch and we can see and we can feel and we can interact with them on a physical level and we can see them in this existence, in this world, in this reality that we live in. But I'm here to tell you today that the reality of the Spirit is no less real than the reality that I've just described to you in the physical. I know we can't see it. And I know we can't touch it, but there are people who are in the same vulnerable condition that that small child Moses was in. And they're in that condition in the spirit. And they've got no one to look out for them, and they've got no one that's willing to stand with them. And if left undefended and unaddressed, there's no way that they're going to make it on their own. We have to be willing to say in this hour, in this hour where there's so many things pulling for our attention. In this hour where all of our calendars are crowded and all of our date books are packed. And we've got so many obligations and we have so many places to be. And we have so many social media feeds to scroll. And we've got all these things that draw after our time. We have to be willing 
This group has to be willing. This group is willing, amen, to say, I'll be inconvenienced for a while. I know what's at stake. Jacobet and Amram knew what was at stake. And when they asked, what can I do? What is my course of action to make sure that this young life is able to survive? That God can do something in their life that he otherwise wouldn't be able to do? The answer was almost so obvious, I guarantee you they didn't even have to have a conversation about it. It's going to take a few months of time. We're going to have to keep them as close as we can for as long as we can. The second thing that maybe you're asking What can I do that I'm sure they asked was that once they had committed and said, said, I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to take the time and the resources that's necessary to make this happen. The other thing they had to do was they had to build a basket. And I'm here to tell you today that the way that you build a basket in 2024 is you build a basket with your prayer. You build a basket with your prayer. Brother Walker, you said it earlier this morning, prayer changes things. There's not a force in the entire universe that's more powerful than prayer. When your faith starts to manifest itself as prayer, things can happen that you never dreamed were possible. When you're scared, pray about it. When you don't know how it's going to come to pass, pray about it. When you're, when you're not sure what's going to happen, and you're not sure how you're going to make the time, and you're not sure how all of the afflictions and all the pain that you're going through could possibly fit into what Pastor Dustin's preaching about this morning. We used to do this thing called pray through. Pray through it. I'm not saying get over it. I'm not saying suck it up. I'm not saying just fake it till you make it and just, you know, get on with it. I'm saying pray through it. Build a basket with your prayer. What can I do? I can spend time. I can sacrifice resources. But I can build a basket with my prayer. Because prayer is the one thing that makes the biggest difference. You have someone in your world today who is worth building a basket for. I'm telling you what you already know this morning. I'm just putting a voice to it on this Sunday. There's someone in your life that's worth it. I wish there was more amens. There's someone in your life that's worth it. That was about 50%. There's someone in your life that's worth it. I'm not trying to cheerlead this morning. I'm just trying to stir up belief. I'm not here to get on anyone's case today, but I'm here to open somebody's eyes and let you know that God hasn't forgot about them and God hasn't given up on them. And I know you haven't either, but we must activate our faith and say, I have faith for one. There's something about being intentional about it. There wasn't a single stitch of that basket that was done on accident you got to believe that there was so much thought and so much care that was put into that basket. My, 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 how much thought and how much care should be put into our prayer. 
I'm not here to tell you that there's a set of magic words that you need to learn and say every day over your loved ones. I'm just here to say you need to do it with your heart. You need to put your heart into it and say, I've got faith for one today, and I'm going to pray over them, and I'm going to pray particular things over them, and if I'm bold enough, I might just pray, God, whatever it takes, save them. Wake them up. Stir them from the place that they're at. Build a basket with your prayer. Because God hasn't forgotten about them. Jesus still works with people on a personal level. God can still wake them up in the midnight hour. God can still stir them about something that maybe you don't have a way into their life. But God has a way into their life. Oh, that somebody would say, I'm willing to take the time. And I'm willing to build the basket. I'm willing to pray the prayers and do what I can do. I'm ready to make this personal in 2024. I'm ready to get on that level that Jesus is at when it says that he works on people just one at a time and he's willing to get personal with them. He's willing to get one-on-one with them. That's where I'm going to live in the year to come because I have faith that God can still do it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you will do what you can do, God will do what only he can do. I'm going to make that guarantee to you again today. If you will do what you can do, God will do what only he can do. If you want to unlock the supernatural of God doing what only he can do, we have to get to work doing the things that we know to do. We know that prayer works. We know that prayer changes things. We know that everybody speaks the language of time and resources and appreciates getting the attention of somebody one-on-one. Everybody responds well whenever we take time and we put the phone away in the drawer and we spend time with them. Everybody responds to that. It's so easy in this day and age. It's ridiculous. Let me tell you something. I gotta go over here and get my phone. There's something about putting these dumb things in the drawer. If I'm talking to you and I've got this in my hand, do you feel like you've got my attention? If it buzzes and I have it, you feel like I ha- you have my attention? I'm talking about quality time today. I'm here to just tell you. I'm not here to, I'm not on a crusade against smartphones. I'm just here to point out it's so easy to make a gesture to somebody that they have your undivided attention. Don't le- listen, don't leave it out on the table either. And it's not more polite if you turn it upside down. Okay? Stop it. Don't do that. Put it away. If you're serious about it, okay, and I'm going to go put this back. I don't want it within 10 feet of me. It's so easy. If you're looking for a way in, it's the language of quality time, investing, and prayer. And if you will do what you can do, God will do what only he can do. You want specifics this morning about what God will do? The word of God tells us what God will do. What is in God's arsenal? They're not things that I have in mine, and they're not things that you have in yours. 
I wish I could open the box and unleash some of these things, but it's in the hands of God. Only God can do it. And there are two things. For us, for us, it's three months in a basket. For God, it's a river and a divine appointment. Those are things that are in the hands of God. In the sixth verse of the entire Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, God started to deal with the land and the waters. And he started to separate things out and he started to give the waters their boundaries. And that's by all means where he, by all accounts, it's where he created and, and established the seas and the rivers and the lakes. It says, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. I've never been to Egypt. And I've never seen the Nile, but Kurt, I've seen pictures. It looks big. And I looked up the numbers, and my suspicions were confirmed. It is big. 4,100 miles long. And in some places, almost 100,000 cubic feet per second of water volume. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's big. It's a big thing. It's a big river. And when God was creating the rivers and the oceans, he had the plan of the entire history of the world in mind. When God created the Nile River and caused it to flow, God had a river ready for Moses to be carried exactly where he needed to be. God did it. That's not a man-made river. There's no such thing as a man-made river. But when we do what we can do, God starts to introduce factors that only he can introduce. And all of a sudden, the river comes into the picture of Moses' story. Can I tell you something that's profound? That you could probably, maybe you probably already figured it out, but I wrote it down because it was for me. The river never becomes a factor if someone doesn't build a basket. The river never features in the story if somebody doesn't build a basket to put into the river. But when we do what we can do, all of a sudden the things that God has prepared that we can, we didn't even think it was going to factor in it starts to factor in and it starts to play a big role that we never thought was going to play at all. So far be it today, even though the basket is important, far be it from us to think that we are the ones that are initiating what God wants to do. I'm here to tell you that God has faith and God believes and God wants to save your family and God wants to save your loved ones and God wants to do a work in your life. God had it in his mind from the very foundation of the world. It isn't your idea and it wasn't my idea, but God says, I would that all should come to repentance. It's not something we initiated. It's something God started to write before the very foundations of the world. And I'm here to tell you on a Sunday morning that God has all the materials in place to save your loved ones and to do a miracle in your family and to do a miracle in your neighborhood and in your friends group. God is ready and sitting, waiting in the wings. And when we're ready, when we walk by faith, and what we do starts to intersect with what God's doing. 
When we say, I'm going to sacrifice some time, and I'm going to pray some prayers, and I'm going to get focused about it, and I'm going to get more serious than I've ever been about it, God has a river waiting for you that maybe you haven't even named yet. Maybe you've seen it and you've thought there's no way that's going to factor into things. But Amram and Jochebed, there is already a river flowing that's ready to pick up your dream and carry it to a place that you've never imagined before. Your loved one can live if you can get them to the river in a basket. But what good is a river if no one will build a basket in prayer? God has big things in store. It's a big river. God has big things in store, Brother Walker. Who will do the small things? Who will do what they can do? So that the big things can come into play. There's someone who has faith rising up this morning as we all stand. There's someone who has faith rising now. There's somebody that the words of this message, the, the words of this message hasn't been anything profound, but it's stirred up somebody's faith and somebody's compassion right now for their loved one, for their somebody that's in their life, maybe for your own soul. There's somebody that's stirred up in their faith right now and they're saying, you know what? I'm going to be faithful in what I can do. I'm going to be faithful in time. I'm going to be faithful in prayer. Come on, there's somebody that's ready to run to this altar this morning. These altars are open right now. I wish you wouldn't wait any on any time I wish you wouldn't take a single moment and just say you know what I've waited long enough there's no there's no time to waste right now I wish somebody would make this a place of prayer and say I'm going to consecrate myself today for the work of souls because I've got faith that's stirred up in my spirit today and it